Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What's happening? It's 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 time to get in the huddle with Carl Dukes and Jason Lacanfora. Welcome back to another edition of In the Huddle, guys. We're here. It's the Super Bowl, and now we know it's the Eagles and the Chiefs that will play in Phoenix in about ten days from now. As we record this podcast for you guys. Reminder, we put out new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Subscribe, like us, and tell your friends. I'm Carl Dukes. Put them up, along with Jason Lacanfora, and of course, our man Brian Baldinger is a part of this podcast as well. He'll be here on Thursday as we look ahead to the Super Bowl. But today, Jason, we look back, and we got a lot to talk about, man. I mean, coaching hires, fires, yeah. um, and, and then the games themselves. And, and, and let's start with, with what we saw with the Eagles. A lot of people think the Eagles haven't been tested. They beat the Giants 38-7. They now have beaten the 49ers 31-7, and people are like, this team hasn't been tested. And I'm like, they're this this good, Jason. I think they're this good. I don't think it's about being tested. you got to play who's in front of you. How do you feel about how dominant the Eagles have looked? It's a hell of a football team, and they didn't play anywhere close to their A game. Short throws, little just checkdowns, nothing seemed to be smooth, let alone you know some of the deep shots that weren't even close. Yeah, like I've heard some of that, like what you said. I started picking up some of that chatter yesterday, and, and one of the young fellows who works at our radio station is a Commanders fan, you know what I mean? And he was kind of like, yeah. hey, you know, go look at who they play. I haven't really played anybody. I'm like, I don't know, man. They played 16 games with their starting quarterback, and they won 15 of them. Like, it's pretty good. And they, they did a lot of it in commanding fashion. A lot of it, these games were over at halftime. You know, and then in the second half is garbage time. It's the Eagles kind of coasting, and then it closed up. But that game was in question. One team took off and left another one in dust. And the defense is so good. It's so deep. The D-line rotation is so special. Like, we talked about it last week, and everybody's saying, oh, well, they got sued to stuff the run. Yeah, but yes, they, they did, because that was the immediate need at that time when Jordan Davis went down. But when that whole group is – there and healthy, they can keep them on a pitch count, and there's stuff that's schemed up for Sue to be designated pass rusher, and we saw him affect that game in the passing game and the run game. There's just so many options, um, and they're the most balanced team in the league. I mean, you can make that case. They can take away your run. They can take away your pass, and we can now sit here and say they didn't play anybody, 
But all season long, all I heard was the NFC East is the best division in football. And the <laughs> NFC right. East versus every other division in football dominated, right? The only time NFC East teams lost is when they played each other. It was, like, incestuous. So, like, now everybody sucks? I don't know. I think they're a pretty good team. I do, too. Um, and the thing is, and I want to mention this about Nick Sirianni for a second before we talk about the, the Brock Purdy injury um, and the Eagles moving on to the Super Bowl. Sometimes you get the right guy who fits not only your team, but maybe your city. And I, I, I really believe that now with Nick Sirianni. Now, he had a crap press conference to start. Yeah, we, I killed him um, because he just sounded incoherent mm-hmm. and he sounded like he did not know the direction of what he wanted to do or where he wanted to take this football team. Yeah, I have since learned that that particular press conference, which happened during the pandemic, He's on a Zoom call. He's not looking at anybody. He's nervous. He's sweating. You know, he looks out of place. So I'm willing now, you know, two years later to give him a pass. But I will say this. It looks like, Jason, he's the right guy for that team and that city. Yeah. He gets that fan base um, and sort of the cult of it. He is very much the everyman. You know what I mean? He doesn't act like he's a multimillionaire. Like, I mean, he obviously is. I mean, even the youngest sure. coaches in this league are four or five million dollars now. But he looks like a dude you would see at the end of the bar. You know what I mean? Watching yep. the game. And he very much fits that blue collar ethos. Um, he talked like a highfalutin coach. He doesn't try to make it out like football is advanced trigonometry, you know what I mean? Or or, or you know, air aerospace engineering. Um the players like him, feel his vibe. Uh, he's put together a great coaching staff. We'll see if he loses any of his assistants as these, you know, these coaching this coaching cycle continues to play out. And they've done the most important thing you can do in the NFL, which is develop a young quarterback while he's making no money on his rookie contract. And and um, it's turned out to be an inspired hire. And at the time, it, it looked like that coaching search was maybe spiraling a little bit but Howie Roseman who has had the minus touch here for a while I mean everything yeah. that GM has done has come up aces including now this high and that coaching staff which I mean you move off of a guy who just won you a Super Bowl a couple years ago right and you move off of a quarterback who before he got hurt the first time was the favorite to win the MVP award that year and two years later you're in the Super Bowl like that, usually you you move you make seismic decisions like that, right? Usually you're in the abyss for two or three years, and then you start climbing out, That's right? right? And now you're going to tell me, oh, and by the oh, by the way, the NFC division that you ascend to the Super Bowl, I, I I wouldn't have bought stock in Nick Sirianni, you know what I mean? Getting to a Super Bowl in, in a couple of years, three years, whatever it was, I, I wouldn't have done that. And remember, they already started turning the corner last year when they made the playoffs. So I mean. Like, they weren't down very long at all. Yeah, it it is amazing. And Howie Roseman, you're right. The way he built this roster, those moves, we know, Jason. That's gotten general managers fired, right? He's been there a long time, so they trust him. But the the Sirianni hire and the move to go draft Jalen Hurts, I think, were the two biggest components of this run that they're on now. And it may set up for a couple more years. I mean, this may be their window 
you know, when we talk about the next four or five years challenging to be back in the NFC championship game. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. It is in the huddle, guys. Let's talk about this Brock Purdy injury. He's got a UCL injury. It's torn. We found out yesterday he's supposed to at least miss up to to six months. Jason, it could be longer. So the 49ers now have a quarterback dilemma. It's a good thing because both of these guys are under contract, right? Trey Lance, Purdy, they're going to be there. But I don't know if if Brock Purdy is quarterback number one. If you were to ask me heading in the next August, six months or eight months from now, whatever it's going to be, that he's the, the the quarterback that that starts. So Trey Lance is coming off this injury. He had two surgeries. I don't know what his situation will be. Yeah. What do you do if you're the 49ers? Because is this just an open competition? Because if he needs Tommy John, there's no way in hell he's playing next year, which means Trey Lance is quarterback number one, right? Well, you can't bank on that. I mean, Trey Lance hasn't played football with any regularity since high school. I mean, that's, that's a fact. Um, the COVID year, barely playing, you know what I mean, at, at North Dakota State, um, everything that's going on in his pro career, sitting and the injuries, like, hasn't played football. I mean, th- those two young men desperately would need a whole offseason with Kyle Shanahan, OTAs and minicamp and all that. And by it's the way, Jason, there, other I, than don't, the reps, like, I don't want to dis. I think you're absolutely right. I just want to – there is an emphasis on the offseason. And I say this to people all the time and fans because people think it's bull crap, right? OTAs, who cares? If you have young quarterbacks in a system like this, and we know Kyle, you have to have those guys in to put the work in and build throughout the offseason. And and it's important. So I don't want anybody to say, well, oh, that doesn't mean anything. They don't need this. This isn't Tom Brady. Right. And this isn't some fifth-year pass rusher, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Who's got his moves and got his counters. No, these – these guys, it's it's imperative for them. Um, and even if Brock Purdy like had just 
played okay in that game and not gotten hurt, I still would say there's got to be an adult in that room. There's got to be someone in that quarterback mix who has a different profile from Brock Purdy and a different profile from Trey Lance. And wrote about this over the weekend at the Washington Post. I, I did a column connecting all the quarterback dots, and I started with Tom Brady going to San Francisco. Not because I thought Purdy was going to get hurt in that game, but just because I thought Purdy might end up looking a lot more like Mr. Irrelevant than <laughs> the bona fide franchise quarterback that Kyle Shanahan's going to finally win a Super Bowl with. So, and and he'll go there. He wants he wants to be there. It's a homecoming. Shanahan's wanted him in the past, and they've shown you with Brock Purdy that with everything humming along there, all you need is seventeen completions a game. True. You don't. Like, so why not have the GOAT do that? Because the GOAT will see things that Brock Purdy will never see. He'll make passes that Brock Purdy will never make. Nothing will be too big for him. And you've got the run game. You've got the O-line. You've got the number one defense. You've got a great home field advantage. And it's and he's going to go there dirt cheap. It's not like Aaron Rodgers, who you got to find a way to pay him $60 million and compromise the rest of the He just wants to get one more ring. He wants to be the first guy to go to three different places and win at all of them. So, like, it's going to be team-friendly. It's going to be cap-friendly. He gets where he is at this stage of this career. He's going to understand when, you you know, you've got to give reps to these other guys to get them going. I just think it, it's – I thought it was the best scenario before. Now I think it's it's far and away the ideal scenario. Um, Peyton Manning barely threw the ball in Denver his final year, and they won a Super Bowl. And this version of Tom Brady is a hell of a lot better than – the final season of Peyton Manning. So I, I just think it's, it's, it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, I think you're right. And and here's the crazy thing. Uh, the 49ers are in win mode now, right? Win now. They're about to pay Nick Bosa $30 million, guys. Yeah. Okay. You're going to pay Bosa 30 a year. He's one of, if not the best defensive players in the league. So you take care of that and you bring in Tom Brady. And yeah. all of a sudden you're still in win now mode. That's Absolutely. the key. So it's not about taking a year off and waiting until these quarterbacks no. develop. you no. got to win now. And their they're defense, and now all that you just talked about, Jason, they're built to do that. Uh, it's Carl Dukes. It is Jason Lacan Thor. This is in the huddle, guys. We do it every week, and we'll do it throughout the offseason. So much going on around the NFL. Eagles advance over the 49ers. We're talking about the Brock Purdy injury. Um, I, I want to ask you about the officiating real quick before we get to the Chiefs game and what Patrick Mahomes was able to do. They put together, the NFL puts together these NFL all-star yeah. crews. They're supposed to be, folks, the best of the best. It was the worst of the worst on Sunday. The NFL refereeing crews were way too involved, I thought, in both games. Um, I heard more from them than I wanted to. So what's the issue, Jason? What, what's the problem with the technology and using it? Like, for example, the Sky Cam or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah. And, and overturning the calls that are blatantly obvious to you and I and other football fans around the country. Well, I think the mere premise that we're going to pick through this roster and put the best guys together. Why isn't everybody the best? Guy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how do we have this cast system where – you're worthy of doing, you know, a 1 p.m. game that only 8% of the country is going to see. And you're worthy of – like, how about we – this is a – I don't know what their gross revenues are a year. They're north of $20 billion. Like, how about we take a little less stuffing into our pockets as owners and we put a little more into the officiating department 
and yeah. make this a year-round enterprise. And there's an NFL officiating headquarters, just like all these teams, right? Every team has a practice. So actually, gee, for all the money they make, there could be an East Coast one and a West Coast one. You know what I mean? You have one in Florida and one in Arizona, like the IMG Academy. And the NFL is going to dedicate tens of millions of dollars into turning this into a incubator for long-term officials. And there's going to be a program where certain guys who finish playing and they want to be close to the game and they don't want to be a GM and they don't want to be a broadcaster and they don't want to be a coach. They want to be on the field in a different way. And they're already know all the rules, right? Cause they just left the game and they know how modern players are thinking cause they just left the game. And you create a three year program that, puts them to the CFL, puts them to here, there, there. And and you you create, like baseball has through the minor leagues, you, leagues, you, yeah. you create this pyramid where you work up the ladder and you're constantly working games and all these spring leagues now, whatever. Like, I don't think a dude should be mowing lawns, you know what I mean? Or, or, or you know, stocking shelves or, you know, pounding a gavel here, adjudicating cases through the week and then – this is my one day a week job. And I don't want to hear any more about like how much studying they do and all the zooms they have, you know, and all the materials they get. Nah, man, you should all be in the classroom together. You you should be humans interacting with each other through the week, not dudes talking to each other on zoom and everybody's flying in the game from someplace else. And now we do this game and then it's over. Like if you're going to stick your hand way down deep in that gambling cookie jar, then you better clean this mess up. It's terrible. It, it is. It, and that's the other side of this, Jace. You know what? Millions of dollars being exchanged, hundreds of millions of dollars being exchanged, it matters. The official screwing this up matters, man. So I, I was really disappointed with the officiating crews as a whole, but I, it's about how we fix it. And the competition committee's got to get together this offseason. I'm with you. They've got to it look at this. It takes money and it takes infrastructure and it takes a master plan. It's like, a- there should be 33 teams in the NFL. Team 33 should be research, development, officiating. Yes. Let's get real microchips that work. You know what I mean? Like, let's get more science involved. Let's make a real investment in that. And let's find guys who are willing to do this as their vocation, not their side hustle. I totally agree. Let's move on to Kansas City beating the Bengals. Patrick Mahomes, guys, I thought this was the most impressive performance I've seen uh, in watching sports since maybe the flu game, only because of the magnitude of it. Fifth AFC championship game for him at home. He's on one leg. We knew he wasn't healthy, and then you saw it as the game played out. And this dude throws over 300 uh, 300 yards, two touchdowns, and makes the biggest play of the game on one leg. So – he is absolutely hands down, undisputed, the best quarterback in the NFL. I love Burrow. I love Herbert. I love Allen. But it's not even close because this dude's about to be in another Super Bowl and a chance to win another Super Bowl before the age of 30. So, Jason, Kansas City and the defense, is it underrated? We knew Mahomes would make plays. What about what about Clark and all these guys on the defense that just are making plays? Well, like they had, they had it. Look, that they that was their best defensive outing in a long time. Um, look, I think the Bengals. There was a lot of coaching blunders this weekend. You know, 
this narrative that stuff just happens to Kyle Shanahan, I get kicked out of that. Like, <laughs> oh, poor Kyle. He was a part of this. He was a part of that. He was on the sidelines when this happened. No, no, he was coaching. Like, yeah. no, don't give me passive verbiage with this guy, right? No, no, no. He wasn't there. He wasn't present. He wasn't. An know. innocent bystander. Yeah, he wasn't. Stand on a corner, got ran over by a bus. Now, nah, man, he's driving the bus. He's driving the bus. He drove the bus off a cliff. Um. So, yeah, I think there were a lot of questionable decisions there. And I, I felt like the Bengals coaching staff were naive in their approach to that game. And in the first quarter, it's like we're going to do our stuff. We're going to flex our muscles. We're going to push the ball downfield. Offensive line woes be damned and see what that looked like. Mm. Well, they basically gave that quarter away, had no yards. The quarterback's running for his life. And then finally they leaned into the running game and the screen game. And not the screen as a check down. The screen is the main thing. Like, we've got devised screens to get the ball in Jamar Chase's hands within five yards of the line of scrimmage, not 45 yards downfield. And once they recalibrated, I felt like they won the rest of the game. Now, that only got them back to even, right, because they, they dug out of that hole. They dug out of another hole, but they could never get the lead. So I, I think the first quarter really put the Chiefs in, all, in, in the position they needed to be in because we weren't sure if they could chase the game with a downfield passing game if they had to because – of Mahomes' limitations. Oh, and, and by the way, they lost. They ran out of receivers. So I, I really feel like had the Bengals been a little smarter with their approach to that first quarter and come in ground and pound, they'd probably win that football game. Um, saying all that, Chris Jones and company did rip their face off in the first quarter, did force the Bengals away from their, you know, from their main thing. And Mahomes did amazing stuff on one leg for them to win. So am I buying the defense? Like, Spags had a hell of a day. It was he a did. great matchup for them against a team with two offensive linemen and not a team loaded up, you know, with 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 extra tight ends and stuff like that. This is a different – this is a different – Monster. This is a different challenge they have coming up. It's a different monster. This week because yeah. it's arguably the best offensive line in the league. It is a run game that can beat you with individual brilliance and beat you with scheme and multiplicity in the option game and playing around with the mesh point and who's the ball going to. I mean, they've got four dudes they trust running the ball there, right? Scott, Gainwell, uh, Sanders, and the quarterback. Very different approach than the Bengals. And it didn't show up last week, but for most of the season, outside the pocket – when Hurts gets outside the pocket, he's killing teams outside the numbers deep. So I think they stress that defense in a lot of different ways. And I think it's going to force Spags to pick his poison a lot more than how he could tee off on that Bengals offense in the first quarter. Um, I didn't think they could hold the Bengals to 20. I thought that game was going to be like 24-21 Cincinnati. I didn't think they could hold the Bengals to 20. And I didn't think the Chiefs were getting to 24, 25. Um, so I think it was great. I think it was necessary. It was huge. I don't think they're holding the Eagles. Like I, I they can't run that game plan and hold the Eagles to 20. I I, I don't think that I don't think they're holding the Eagles in the teens. I, I just I it's it, the there's too much volume, there's too much quality in that offense. And again, it's the balance. You know, the Bengals never ran the ball all year except for week 13 against the Chiefs and the previous week Bills. against Buffalo. Yeah. 
The Eagles run the ball whenever they want to run the ball, including eventually against that vaunted 49ers front where the levy broke in the second half. Four rushing touchdowns for the Eagles on Sunday. They've got 39 as a team. It's an NFL record, to Jason's point. They run the football down your throat. And you have to account. Here's the bigger thing for me. You have to account for the quarterback. Yes. You have to account for Jalen Hurts. So, you know, as we're talking about this, Jason, and I got to say this. First of all, first time we're going to see two black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. It's not the story. It's just a part of the story, right? It's It certainly has to be talked about and mentioned because it's been a long time coming before, you know, the history of the yes. black quarterback in the NFL and what's going on. We can talk about that another time. But that is part of this storyline. So my point is this narrative that we've heard over the years that you can't win with a guy like Jalen Hurts is bullshit. <laughs> that you can't get to a Super Bowl with a guy like Jalen Hurts. I don't, I don't believe that. If put in the situation that he's been put in with the weapons around yeah. him and you build around his skill set, you absolutely can get to a, a Super Bowl yeah. with a guy who ran for over 700 yards and had 14 touchdowns, yeah. rushing touchdowns on the season. So we can put that to bed. It has to be the, the right guy. And again, he is for where he's at. But this thing like, oh, he does all of that and you can never win that way. We need to we need to throw that out. All right. right. I want I wanna I wanna ask you about um the fact that you were talking about the Eagles and their their dominance and um you know with Kansas City not being able to do a lot of this. Listen, I like the Eagles right now. I think they're a two-point favorite. That line may move. But I can't count the Chiefs out because of Patrick Mahomes no. and just what he does, right? But but his receivers, he's down two receivers in that game. We didn't even talk about this, Jason. He didn't have anybody to throw to outside of Kelsey. So yeah. what is that going to look like for the Super Bowl here in you know 10 to 12 days? I just don't know if you're going to be able to line up against the Eagles with just Kelsey and feel like you're going to be able to win, uh, you know, even though they, they were able to run the football a little bit. I just – I'm really leaning Eagles right now, and maybe that changes over a week or so as we get more information. Sure, but I'm with you, man. I, I just think this is a juggernaut for the for the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I lean Eagles as well. Um, you know, I think the Valdez, as long as they've got Valdez Scanling, like someone who could stretch the field, because I mean, Tony has that twitch and speed, but it shows up more underneath and intermediate. It's more yak. You know what I mean? Yep. Like he can make plays on the ball downfield, but he's not going to go out downfield and beat somebody high point. Like what T Higgins did. You know what I mean? Like that's not in his game. Like the, the only guy that I think they have right now who, who could do something like that, who could really latch onto a deep ball or, 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 or maybe out muscle a DB for a ball 50, 50 down deep downfield is him. I mean, Kelsey's Kelsey. He's a problem for everybody. Um, you know, a lot of these other guys, like, I don't, I mean, it's not a great receiving core, right? They don't, I mean, they they don't scare you. It's Mahomes. It's Mahomes can make anybody the star in yeah. any given play in any given part of the field. So, I mean, Andy Reid will be able to scheme things up. They've got two weeks to prepare. I would think some of those guys are back. Um, you know, Legereus Sneed would be a big concern for me as well. Mm. Uh, he's their best corner. I know that these rookies – Played really well at home in a championship game. It's a little different neutral site in a Super Bowl when every and then two weeks to prepare and all that and all the different ways the Eagles can stress you. Um, but yeah, I, 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 yeah, I feel like the Eagles could win this game in a lot of different ways. But I also feel that like Mahomes might also just 
do my home things. Play than the other team. You know what I mean? He might <laughs> yeah. just find a way to make one more play than you, and he sets Butker up for a field goal, and that's that. Like that. I mean, that script doesn't seem far fetched at all either. Um, you know, a lot of these Chiefs have been there, done that. This is the first time in a mountain for for more of these Eagles, at least more of these key Eagles. You know, I mean, I know they've got guys like Kelsey and Brandon Graham who were a part of the last Super Bowl team, but I think there's far fewer of them than than there will be coaches and players experiencing this for the first time. Um, and then just the Andy Reid thing. I mean, this guy's had two Hall of Fame careers. You yeah. know, he had a Hall yes. Whatever it was, 13-year stretch in Philadelphia where he goes to five straight championship games. I know he didn't win a Super Bowl. He won a ton of games. He created a dynamic offense. Um, and then he goes and has this now 10-year run in Kansas City where he's hosting five straight championship games in the other conference, and he's got his Lombardi now. And he's going to be up there with Belichick and Hallis and Shula in all these key categories, wins, playoff wins, all that stuff. Um and what a second Super Bowl title would do for his legacy facing his former team. I mean, the two brothers, yeah, Kelsey versus Kelsey. I mean, there, there's there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. And I'm glad you brought up the, the, the two black quarterback aspect, which I hadn't thought about. But, like, I vividly remember, the like, when Doug Williams was in the Super Bowl, like how – and I'm growing up in Baltimore, and obviously D.C. is just right down the road. And we weren't our skins fans by any stretch of the imagination – in fact, I hated him, but like I was rooting for Doug Williams. Like, well, you know, even once I kind of grasped the magnitude yeah. as a teenager of like how much this meant to how many people and how crazy it is, like how crazy it is that it took this long. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what are we like? How can this be? Like, this is crazy that these men aren't given the same opportunity as everybody else because there's no way in hell that if this was a meritocracy, the first black quarterback in a Super Bowl would have been Doug Williams. Like, that's crazy. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It is. Uh, and, and it's significant. And it doesn't matter, again, who wins. It's sort of like when Dungy and Lovey, you know, yeah. were the two first black coaches to square off in a Super Bowl. It's a win. It's a win for the NFL. It's a win for society and, and where, we're all, where we are and where we're headed. And, and certainly showing that these guys who have either been underrated or not given an opportunity for whatever reason. We, you know, I, I, Warren Moon, I had this conversation with Warren Moon many years ago. And people forget Warren Moon was so damn good at Washington and he had to go to the CFL for years, Oh yeah, you know, and then gets his chance. And, and I was like, did you ever think about giving up? And he's like, no, because I know I was better than all these guys. Like I just kept playing and, you know, opportunity finally comes my way and he gets to the NFL. Go look at his passing numbers. 
if you combine those years oh, that he's yeah. been in the CFL, this dude might be the all-time leading passer. Yeah, well, they had a dynasty in Edmonton, right? Like Edmonton, Edmonton Eskimos went to like five great cups in six years or something like that. Like, it, like he had a proven, 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 proven. That's right. You know, I mean, how many incredible high school quarterbacks got to college – Turn position. They turned them into deep. They turned them into corners. They turned them into yep. running backs. They turned them in like they weren't even giving it. Like not even no, giving a shot. No, son, I got a different plan for you. <laughs> like I mean, it's systematic. Right. It's systematic. Like complete. Yep. Like just inherent racism. Like it just it is what it is. We're gonna call it what it is. They were not given the opportunity to do what they were already doing better than ninety eight percent of the people there in their age group cohort who played high school athletics. But they're, they're all of a sudden now you can't play the position anymore. Come on. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting, Jason. And we could spend the whole show on just that. It is in the huddle, guys. Like us, subscribe. We put new episodes out Tuesday and Thursday. We're getting ready for the Super Bowl. Uh, Brian Balding will be here on Thursday. I want to ask you a couple of things about coaching hires before we get out of here. Sure. Um, Kellen Moore, out as the Cowboys O.C., Mike McCarthy's going to call plays now. I see that smirk on your face. He's going to call plays. I, I guess, okay, if you're Mike McCarthy, you say, look, next year's it. If I don't get there, I know I'm probably done. So I might as well go down swinging, and I'm going to go ahead and call the plays. I don't know if it'll work, but I said over the weekend on my national show, Jason, Dak needs to be challenged. He needs a new voice. Yeah. I don't know if that voice is McCarthy, mm -hmm. but Kellen Moore, remember, guys, I think the Cowboys were fourth in scoring this year. So what are you doing differently? Well, this is the part, like, <laughs> this is the this is the stuff that I love. Because I'm <laughs> old enough to remember, you know, Mike McCarthy's year, like, out of football. And he's doing his media redemption tour, and he's got guys from ESPN and NFL Network who he's inviting in. Right, he's showing you his war room and his man cave, yeah. and he's with some guys who are going to be on his staff, and he's reinventing himself, right? And I've learned from my mistakes, and yeah, it got a little stale at the end in Green Bay. You know, I was too worried about calling the next play, and it was affecting my game management, right? So less is more, right? The new, I'm, I'm open to new concepts. I'm open to delegating. Like I'm here to be the CEO, and I've got guys who can call plays. And now here, like that was the, like that was the sell, like. That, that was He's, him and his his representatives. Yeah. This is new Mike McCarthy. So yep. the team doesn't win anything of any significance, right? The Kellen Moore, who I think has been overrated and overhyped, but did some good things there. So we're out with him. And the answer is the guy whose moment of zen, whose self-realization was that I really shouldn't be doing all this. We're back to that. That just tell like is, is any of that not factual? No, it's it, he said it at his that press was conference. The whole freaking thing about new Mike McCarthy, which wasn't very good. It was pedestrian, <laughs> and now we're going back to old Mike McCarthy, which was really bad the last few years. Like it was an archaic offense. The quarterback wanted to choke him out. You know what I mean? Like they're not developing receivers. Everything's a spot wrap. Like I, I mean, I'm just saying that it, it was like, and that's the answer now. Um, Dan Quinn by Thanksgiving. <laughs> I think Dan Quinn will be coaching that Thanksgiving game. They'll have thrown McCarthy <laughs> into the Salvation Army thing and rolled his ass back to Wisconsin. <laughs> Call it now. Call it now. Listen, there is a reason why DQ came back. And the main reason is he's loved he's by Jerry. He's the next guy coaching the Dallas Cowboys. He's loved by Jerry, and he understands – 
I could take a couple of these other jobs, but the job, the best job for me may be right here. And oh, yeah. it may happen sooner than later. And listen, he's not going to say that. He's not going to talk about it. Not. But guys, do not it's be fooled. It's a done deal. Yes. You don't take yourself off the market again. Correct. Correct. Maybe I get, you know, the whatever job. I'm trying to think of a job that's going to open, a bad job that will open next year. Like, no, you're there for the start. And, and I'll tell you what, watch how the money starts flowing. Like, we're getting off of Zeke. Jerry, we're getting off of Zeke. Save your money for Parsons. That's Parsons right. is the face of the team. You what? Like you know what I mean? Watch yep. how. Yep. And you're already going to see that. Shit. Like, I don't know if Jerry be ready to cut the cord on Zeke, but Zeke's going to have to leave a lot of money on the table to come no, back. He's like, got to be. It's yeah, going to be about building that defense up because I think you've seen. Like, is Dak going to put a team on his back and lead them to a Super Bowl? Probably, probably not. There's very few guys who can. You know what I mean? So how are we gonna how are we gonna do this? How are we gonna win? We gotta get we gotta get Pollard healthy. We gotta keep him. We gotta have, you know, a year from now we gotta know what Parsons wants and be ready to get that done. That's right. You know, we got we gotta keep drafting D linemen. We gotta keep drafting O linemen. And yeah, I mean, this thing with McCarthy, like Mike McCarthy, the play caller, ain't gonna save the day. Vic Fangio, uh, the new coordinator with the Dolphins. What do you think as far as the D.C.? He was up for a bunch of jobs. Listen, I like yeah. Vic Fangio as a D.C. Did not like him as a head coach. It was a reason why yes. he wasn't a head coach for a very long time. And then yes. Denver pulled the trigger. And he lasted three years. But as a D.C. with the Dolphins' talent, I actually like this hire. No, it's a good fit. Yeah, I think it's a good fit. Um, he's spawned a whole – he's got a whole coaching family tree going now, you know, with the Brandon Staley's of the world. Like, there's a lot of people who come across him, come under him at various times, who now are starting to become head coaches or head coaching candidates. Um, there was a lot of competition for his services. Uh, yeah, I think him running that side of the ball is is perfect. Um, like, do I like Ed Donatello as a D coordinator? No, I don't. No. No. Coaching secondary for Vic Fangio worked really, really well in a lot of different places over the years. Um, so yes, I, I think that there there was there was too many sort there was too much underlying talent there for it not to be manifesting itself more. The year before under Brian Flores, the last 10 weeks of the season is arguably it was definitely a top five defense and yeah, it, it may have been the best. So no, I think Vic Fangio, um, that's a that's a got plenty of toys to get cranked up there. All right, last thing. Panthers hire Frank Wright. I don't know how. Yeah. You don't look at Steve Wilkes and go, he righted the ship. He made us yep. competitive. We're on the cusp of the playoffs. All the things that happened. You traded your best wide receiver. You you moved on from Baker Mayfield. I mean, we and go on Gordon. and on and on. Yeah. yeah. But he doesn't get the job. No. And it just gets back to what I believe, you know, when you talk, and again, Frank Reich may be the best hire they, they've had. Who knows? He may be great and yeah. that's fine. But it also gets back to what do black coaches have to do yeah. to get the opportunity, right? So we think D'Amico Ryans is going to get the Texans job, which yeah. is fine. He's going to go back there. He's getting there. a job. Like if it's, if it's not there, it's just because they botched it and he'll go to Denver or he'll go to Arizona. Right. Like, he's, yes, he's getting a job. So what what do these guys have to do? For Steve Wilkes, you think about his history over just the last few years, right? He's the coach of the Cardinals. One year, they screw him. He's fired. He takes the job there as a D.C. He had been there with Ron Rivera. I mean, it's just like, okay, I'm doing all these things. 
He went back to college for a bit, right? Because you yeah. thought, okay, well, everybody's emulating these college offenses. I'll I'll do that. Like, yeah, no. But but you know, he's like, I'm doing all these things, and then it can't get a job. So I don't know. Um, but what do you think about Frank Reich there with the Panthers? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, to your point, the goalposts are constantly <laughs> the goalposts are moving for Black Hick. Like it's it's. I mean. It, 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 well, it's, listen. The good news the league, is shameful. the good news is shameful the way this league fails to provide opportunities for and tap into what could be a tremendous resource for them. And and well, Jason, they, here's they, the other they problem just don't, for me. They don't respect. But here's what the these other problem: have done and can do. You say you're committed to it. You have protocols and 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 things in place to say you're committed to it. But we know that's not the case because the results don't match that. And, yeah. and, and what I was going to say is the good news is, you know, for the Texans, hell, they hire more black coaches than anybody in the NFL, but they fire more black coaches than anybody else in the NFL. Yeah. So, you know, it's almost like their, their slogan, as I said yesterday, should be, hey, we hire people of color. Yeah. We, we yeah. hire black coaches over here. Yeah. And then the second part of that is, but we also fire them a year later. Yeah. Chew them up and spit them out. I, I look. I, Steve Wilkes is more than worthy of being an NFL head coach. I don't, you know. DJ Moore keeps his helmet on against the Falcons, and he might have won the damn division, True. despite having no, no, no one would have given him a chance to do so. And remember, he's coaching with what's left of Matt Rule's staff. Like, Look, Frank Reich deserved one of these jobs. I, I'm not surprised that they hired Frank Reich the longer it went on that they didn't just promote Steve Wilkes, knowing his ties to the organization and knowing that this owner had talked himself into offense, 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 which is so stupid. Like, how can these people supposedly be so smart? And they're these leaders, captains of industry, like, and, and you know, all they want to do is win, allegedly. And it's like, you, you just, you, you, have these fallacies or these preconceived notions, you know what I mean? That just like the, the cycle just keeps repeating itself and you're not getting any better. Like it, it, anyway, but look, I thought Frank Reich did a good job in Indianapolis. I think Frank Reich got hosed. You saw what happened to that franchise when they tried their little, you know, experiment with Jeff Saturday that might continue like that. I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced that Jim Irsay is strongly, strongly, strongly considering Jeff Saturday. Whether he ultimately does that or not remains to be seen. It would not surprise me at this point yeah. if he just says, I'll show you again. Um, which, again, is indicative of who's making these decisions, the kind of people who get to decide who gets these once-in-a-lifetime jobs. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I assume they'll draft a quarterback there, and, and Frank will help develop them. Frank's been really good around a lot of young quarterbacks for a long time. But, yeah, Steve Wilkes, it's I, – I just – I feel horribly for him. And he should be – you can't tell me that there's 32 better coaches on the planet than Steve Wilkes. I'm not buying it. Next week, guys, we're talking about the Super Bowl. We'll be giving you our predictions. We'll be talking about the matchups. We'll be breaking things down. And we'll be talking about other things that are going on around the NFL, as we do in the huddle. For Jason Lock on 4, I'm Carl Dukes. Follow us on social media. Check Jason's columns out. Washington Post, guys. As he said, a great article last week, uh, just a few days ago, actually, about Tom Brady and the moving quarterback situation around the league. 
But we always appreciate you being here in the huddle with us. Like and subscribe. We put new episodes out on Tuesday and Thursdays every week as we get ready and count down to the Super Bowl. Have a great day, everybody.